0: Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon, welcome, and
1: Happy New Year. Two years in and with more than $100 million in funding... Toronto's much vaunted Vision Zero program is not working, at least if you go by the numbers. The mayor said as much himself before critics made him backtrack a bit. It's been a record year for pedestrian and cyclist fatalities. 40 pedestrians and four cyclists lost their lives on our streets this year, in addition to eight drivers, four passengers and nine motorcyclists. Meanwhile, The city of New York is on track to hit a 100-year low in motor vehicle deaths. And that represents an 11% decrease from 2017, which is the correct direction as opposed to ours. So what's the solution? Do we have to ban right turns on red? The mayor said he'd think about that. Increased penalties for collisions that result in death. Penalties for distracted driving are already going up tomorrow want to hear from you and also uh if you've had uh an experience with this have things gotten better have you noticed any better design have things gotten worse are drivers more uh distracted, uh, stressed out. The numbers, 416- 360-0740. Toll-free, 1-866- 740 And right now, we go to the person who is in charge of finding the solution. Barbara Gray, General Manager of Transportation Services with the City of Toronto. Ms. Gray, thank you so much for being with us. Hi, Libby. It's good to be here. Happy New Year to you. And Happy New Year to you as well. So, why uh, is the needle not moving in terms of fatalities, uh, injuries, collisions?
2: Well, I think that, um, as we've said and I've said uh, many times before, the, um, Vision Zero is a long-term uh, solution. It's a target that we have to have out there because no fatalities on our roadways are acceptable. So zero is the only acceptable number. And it's a, a goal that we all need to work for. Um, similar to New York and many other uh, North American cities and actually international cities as well who have taken on a Vision Zero program. The goal is to use all or sort of pull all levers to make sure that we are reducing all of the uh, potential issues that can lead to uh, tragedy on the roads and that's engineering and education and enforcement. Um, last year, we had, uh, you know, between uh, 2016, which was uh, probably the highest year we've had in quite some time in Toronto for uh, for crashes, to 2017, we did see uh, somewhat of a reduction. But again, you know, we have to be vigilant regardless, because the number is still higher than zero. And uh, okay. and we can't, we have to be skeptical uh, of any crashes and be out there trying to make, make fixes and, and get some solutions in place.
1: Okay. Even if we accept that it's a long-term goal to get to zero certainly, but we are going in the wrong direction. The numbers are going up instead of down. So why is that happening while we're spending all this money and having all this education and changes? Well, I think the investment is critical and important. So in terms of the money, uh, councils made,
2: uh, accelerated this plan three times. They're talking about uh, another increment as part of the budget process in 2019. Um, people point to New York quite frequently with their investment, a lot of it having to do with roadway redesign and automated enforcement, two things that we'll be seeing a lot more of in Toronto in the future. And, um, and so while the numbers continue, you know, the numbers are in a band. They've been in, in the same range for, for some time now. and uh, and we really have not uh, up until uh, the middle of 2017 and into 2018 really started to see the engineering infrastructure on the road that's going to help remind people on a regular basis to monitor their speed, to narrow crossing distances. We're using uh, leading pedestrian intervals or uh, giving pedestrians more lead time which is especially important for seniors and helps to really eliminate uh, a lot of those collisions that result from right turning vehicles into crosswalks. So all the tools we're using are the same toolkit that we're seeing in cities where the numbers are starting to, to trend in the opposite direction. We know uh, in a growing city like Toronto, if you look uh, at our population growth, which is significant, and you start to look at the numbers as a rate, um, we are we're second to Montreal in, in Canada, but the rate is, is relatively low because you have to kind of factor in that growth. But again, the numbers are not as important to me and my team as the solutions are because we are still working to try to retrofit the roads and get all the infrastructure in place so that people are reminded how to behave on the roads, regardless of how you choose to travel. Um, And we're making it easier for people to cross. uh, And we're focusing on our most vulnerable users, seniors, people on bicycles,
1: uh, pedestrians, school-aged youth. What was your reaction when uh, you heard the mayor say that it isn't working?
2: Well, I mean, I think the mayor, from what I understand, was expressing his frustration, as as you described when we first got on on the line, that the numbers are not going in the right direction. 2018 has been a, a difficult year. We haven't we haven't hit zero in 2018.
1: Well, we uh, haven't we haven't even hit like a reduction uh, or even stayed the same. I mean, that's why, I guess, a lot of people are frustrated. Again, you know, some of this stuff is in place and and it's going in the wrong direction.
2: Well, and I think some of the things that have been in place really have only started to roll out this year. And so, you know, we are all hoping for faster implementation. What we're talking about here is culture change, though, uh, and we are uh, we have accelerated and will continue to accelerate uh, in terms of our rollout of the education, the enforcement, the engineering, the technology, uh, and we will continue to go at a brisk pace to get that out, uh, looking at the data, uh, sharing information and getting best practices from our peer cities on the kind of data that they're using and the kind of countermeasures that they're using, uh, especially related to specific vulnerable user groups like seniors and school-aged youth. Um, and and so we are learning from all of that, and we are uh, putting all of that in place here. But it's still going to take time, and it requires vigilance uh, in terms of everybody who's traveling in the city, uh, especially drivers, because in any contest between a driver and a pedestrian and cyclist, it's always the pedestrian and cyclist who's going to lose.
1: Yeah, there's one thing I I want to bring up. I mean, it is just crazy getting around here. We see more and more construction taking Mm -hmm. up, more and more of the roadway. And there are certain things. I know I've talked to the mayor and, and he says, you know, people turning left on red lights, you know, we're going to catch them. But the fact is that if you want to make a left turn, a legal left turn on an arrow, you can't because either somebody is is at the very end of a yellow light uh, going to be going straight or it lasts 10 seconds so i mean i think people are i mean Drivers should be vigilant, but frustrated with the reason because you can't go anywhere because things are set up that it's it's difficult. <laughs> well, well, I think especially in the most congested intersections in downtown, uh,
2: we have rolled out our traffic warden program or our traffic agents that uh, we'll see this year uh, as permanent employees of t- uh, transportation services. Um, that was part of uh, one of the actions that the mayor and council took last year, which was to move that program forward. And to your point about making sure that the intersections are being managed, the active management of those intersections, so that uh, people are able to actually travel through the intersection without having to wait a couple cycles of the light, because I do think that does frustrate people. And you're right about construction. You know, our water mains are 100 years old, our roads are 50 plus years old, in many cases our arterial roads and uh, that and construction... And our condos are going up. <laughs> yeah, they are. There's, there's private <laughs> development and trying to coordinate all of that, which we do actively and regularly. The volume of construction is still quite significant, and that, as you know, to your point, it, it adds a level of complexity to travel, especially in the downtown. That um, that is very frustrating. So, active management of those key intersections is um, has we it's been proven to work. We did a pilot run of it in 2016 and saw a really significant improvement. I think it was 92 percent improvement of throughput at those and, congested and intersections.
1: Will there will will you give drivers, for instance, a little more of a chance to, to Turn left at those intersections. Yes, that's part of what yeah. the traffic uh,
2: wardens do is they help to manage the flow so that when the countdown signal starts, they can, uh, if there's a big queuing lane of cars trying to turn one way or the other, they can hold the pedestrians to make so that those those queues can clear out, um, and just make sure that the intersection is functioning as it's designed to function.
1: Now, you've come here from Seattle. Yes. Uh, different culture in Seattle. It's probably more, I don't know, uh, West Coast. Uh, I, I mean this in the nicest possible way. Crunchy <laughs> granola. But, and the that weather is familiar different.
2: familiar to me. I don't know where I've heard that before. <laughs> uh,
1: the weather is different. But how long did it take for this to start working in Seattle?
2: Well, I, I'm glad you asked. We had a good decade's worth of work and some very supportive policies in the mid-2000s. Um, we, prior to that, you really weren't seeing the infrastructure on the street. You weren't seeing the roadway redesign. Um, and that was what changed the culture. Because when I first moved out there in the early 90s, um, it, was, it was a very different situation than, than when I left about 20 years later. In terms of driver culture and people uh, paying attention to what was going on on the roads. Um, informing, raising the awareness of both drivers and pedestrians and cyclists about sharing the road and the importance of following the rules. Um, And they are definitely rule followers out there, but I think there's a a fair share of rule followers out here as well. Um, And I heard from somebody the other day uh, who indicated that they're really starting to see the reminders on the road now. They're starting to see the watch your speed signs here in Toronto. They're starting to see some of the pavement markings that are reminding them as they travel uh, that there are other users of the road that they really have have to pay attention. And, and
1: I must say, though, some of the some of those markers are confusing to begin with. Well, we've started some education, which, again, is not something that we've done here in Toronto until in
2: 2018. Uh, launched a couple of education campaigns. One is about, to your point, getting information out there to the traveling public about what the lines on the road mean. What does a green bike box mean? Uh, what does it mean? Uh, what? How are you supposed to behave when you see a cyclist at the curb lane versus seeing them in uh, the next lane over? Uh, how do you behave in a school zone? You know, what's the proper way to travel through these areas? And so uh, it, it, as we change those markings and we change uh, some of that notation and the signage on the street, we need to let people know how to, how to operate in that environment. And so we started to put that out. You might have seen some of them on bus shelters or the, the tail ends of buses, um, as well as on social
3: media.
1: Okay, uh, the, the lines are piling up, so let's take a couple of calls. All right. We've got Tony and Keswick. Hi, Tony.
3: Hi there. How are you doing? You know, I'm tired of hearing the word culture stuff, this culture stuff, that. It's simple. A human being will never win up against a car. Yep. Um, I had an incident. You never hear whose fault was it the car when people do get killed or the, or the pedestrian. Uh, I almost hit a few people that they day between the car, looking at their cell phone. Now, this should be careless walking. It used to be jaywalking. That's what we've got to look at. We've got to educate the people to say, listen, you're never going to win up against a car, so be careful. And this lady looked at me as if it was my fault, and she actually gave me the finger. Hmm. I honked my horn. And I said well, to her, and she was looking at her phone. It was a girl in her late 20s, I assume in her 30s. And I was in the right away. And I said, you know, if I just hit you, doesn't matter. If your dad who's right or wrong, show it to me as if it was my fault. That's what people gotta you gotta the people too. Say, listen, it does and actually you gotta be blunt. It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. If you get hit by a car, the chances are you're not gonna survive and the car will. So in it's like in hockey, you gotta be aware of what's going on out there. Well, Lines and this and that, I don't know. It's simple. If the car hits you, you're done.
1: Tony, Most I I, I hear you and uh I've felt many the same frustration, but what I'm always told is that that's it's really you know, the number of pedestrians who are, quote, at fault is a lot smaller than drivers. Is that true, Barbara? Like, what's... Yeah, I mean
2: the message in our recent campaign, to your point, Tony, about educating the public in art of distraction. That was the campaign that we recently pushed out there. Is that it's everybody's responsibility to pay attention as you travel on the on the roadway. But the the vast majority of distraction and the results, to your point, of who's gonna um, who's gonna really fare the worst out of that distraction is going to be uh, the pedestrian and the cyclist getting hit, and oh, the driver. Exactly.
3: They've got to they've got to know that, and they know yeah. that, but they don't. Somehow the what I remember my mother, when she first we just came here from Italy and, and, and she walked across College Street and a cop nailed her for jaywalking, you know, which <laughs> at the time where the girl, now, I go out now and realize, hey, that's a good thing because she went between two cars and didn't go to the crosswalk. Now, you don't hear nobody getting caught for jaywalking or nothing. Uh, I make a right turn. Uh, uh, I was making a right turn. The light had just not even turned green yet. And the girl started crossing it already. That's the kind of stuff we're going to sh- advertise on TV show people. Do not cross till it's green. Do not cross do not that's the kind of stuff we're to educate people on is that this might happen to you like we do with drunken drivers we we take it so far people who drink and drive and show you know people and that's what you have to basically get down to and say listen you know start like grade one show them right from the beginning and this is what could happen to you because people think it's not going to happen to me until it happens to me it's the yep. same thing in you know in, in plazas you're moving these people think it's, it's your fault because you're a current. you got to stop when you have to right away okay. and uh again they're looking at their cell phone and not paying attention, so uh, you know that's my my little you know, uh, blip for today. But I think you got to educate people more on TV, you know, more commercials okay. showing what's right or wrong.
1: Thanks, Tony. Let's go to uh, Paul and Barry. I think you have the similar a, a similar comment about distracted walkers.
4: I, I do. I I was recently in Toronto. I can't believe the number of jaywalkers in, in downtown Toronto. Um, and I'm just curious as to um, what Tony said, um, you know who's really at fault in these fatalities uh, is what is the real uh, number of uh, uh, cases where the pedestrian was actually uh, at fault, not the driver and also um, the intersections in Toronto to me at night in particular seem to be really dark, and I don't know whether the city. Uh, can put more, uh, you know, lights at at intersections as far as illumination goes. People wear a lot of black clothes
1: nowadays. I was just it's going to to bring, to bring that up that it's very dark, especially kind of a, a, a right around dusk, and uh, people who are pedestrians or cyclists. I mean, you know, all all in black on, on a black bicycle. Uh, Barbara, what do you? Do we need more lighting or what? Well, we, we certainly worked with Toronto Hydro. They've been a great partner this last six
2: months of the year in adding more lighting to uh, areas, our pedestrian safety corridors, certainly in the downtown, in locations where we've seen crashes previously, uh, and in locations where we know we want to make sure that um, we know a lot of people cross there, and so we want to make sure it's well illuminated. So you should be seeing a lot more in terms of, of lighting of the roadway. And I think that's a critical piece of it, both the pedestrian scale, so lower to the road, um, but also making sure that drivers have adequate view and they're able to see, uh, you know, longer distances so that they can note who's around them when they're when they're traveling.
1: Okay, Elizabeth in Ajax. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi. You're on the air. Go ahead. Okay. My point was, it doesn't matter
5: what you what you do. You uh, just can't legislate people for stupidity and downright irresponsibility because. They must think that the rest of us are psychic because especially when you're traveling to and from uh, wherever you go on the, uh, the 401 highways, they, they just come over without uh, putting on their, uh, their signal lights or
1: they straddle two lanes. Oh, you're talking about drivers now. Yeah. Okay. Finally, somebody that has something to say about drivers. Go ahead. It's just, its like I said, you take your life in your hands. I breathe a sigh of relief every
5: time I come into my driveway, and I think, wow, I made it. But what's what's bothering me more here living in Ajax is that they've taken almost two years in widening the uh, Highway 2, and what they've done is they've put in dedicated bus lanes. Now, I don't mind that, you know, like buses have to, um, uh, you know, a schedule to get to where they want to go, but these are dedicated bus lanes all the time. It's not between certain hours. It's all day. So that lane is for the bus. Then they also put in dedicated bicycle lanes. We live in... The boonies here, it's not like downtown where you have all your stores clustered all around you. You have to travel to get to where you want to go, whether it's a strip mall, whether it's a shopping mall. Why so do those, we need those,
1: dedicated bike lanes? There's nobody using them. Okay, okay Elizabeth, thank you for that. Can, can I just say something else? Uh, we have a long line of I callers. Know, just, just Thanks very me. much we've got simon in toronto hi simon
4: thank you so much for taking my call mm-hmm. i was just going to say um there are so many distracted um pedestrians in our city and uh i've learned to um take matters into my own hands by um by simply just honking at them and just giving them an alert uh because uh, you, you know when you have a a pedestrian that just crosses Right in front of the path of the vehicle uh without even turning um um his or her head um I'll just look at them and, and can they uh, hear with
1: the headphones on even with the oh
4: believe me they'll they'll hear it when, well I mean depending how loud it is um Jane but uh, otherwise yeah they'll they'll usually they'll usually react and' they'll, and they'll and they'll get the message they really will.
1: Okay, Simon, that's a, a solution. Uh, Barbara, is that a good idea? Well, anything I think we can do to raise,
2: you know, to get people back and focused on the road, uh, I don't see why that's a problem.
1: Okay, uh, we'll try to uh, get a few more calls in here. Uh, let's go to Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you?
4: Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I've been on the radio about this thing. Uh, about yes, this I know. Problem. <laughs> we have several times, and I've mentioned that... Um, the problem we have, and you mentioned people having a hard time making a left-hand turn because traffic going the other way. I'm going to use two examples of two streets that you will know, Sherburn and Gerrard Street. They used to be two lanes each side. Now they're only one lane each side because the fact that they have bicycle lanes and planters, which I believe this should be removed. Here's a problem. A guy going one way or other, whichever way he's going, is going to make a left-hand turn. He can't make his left-hand turn, so he's blocking up all the traffic behind him until he can make his left-hand turn because there's only one lane. They can't go around him because of the bicycle lanes. Those should be removed. Bicycle lanes should only be on one-way streets so that the other side is for bicycles or traffic and some parking. Okay, no I'm going to
1: let Barbara respond. Um, yep. uh, I, we, I, know th- I know you think the bike lane should be removed, and she has said that they are going to have traffic wardens that make the left turns easier, but I'm going to let Barbara respond. Barbara?
2: Uh, Well, certainly, Sherburn and Girard, as you mentioned, do have dedicated bike lanes. I mean, we know that the best thing we can do to eliminate or significantly reduce crashes with cyclists is to have them in protected lanes. And so, where we have demand, we've looked citywide, we have a 10-year cycling plan. and Where we have demand for cycling uh, is where we've started to put in those protected lanes. And that, in many cases, means modifying the way the road functioned previously um, in order to accommodate that. Sometimes that impacts parking, sometimes that takes a lane away. Um, That capacity, though, is still managed at the intersection. And so the signals need to be able to respond to the timing on those left turns. So um, Sherburn and Girard are certainly something we can look at in terms of the left-hand turns.
1: Yeah. And I I think, you know, uh, to Bob's point, that's just another thing that gets people really frustrated and then has them doing wacky and wild stuff because you're trying to get somewhere and you can't move because the 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 person in front of you needs to turn left not that there's anything wrong with that i mean it just contributes to the overall i don't know um stress and chaos. I mean, I I hear that. I I also think that it's very, very
2: frustrating for the increasing number of people who choose to cycle in the city, either because it's low cost or it's for their health or it's the quickest way to get around, not to have a connected network. And so we are in the position of having to try to balance all those demands on our right of way. Um, And I I think there's, you know, there's frustration and there's interest in having connected, smooth, reliable trips, regardless of whether you're walking or you're cycling or you're driving or you're taking transit.
1: Okay, I'm going to take a quick one. Greg in King City. Hi, Greg. Hey, how are you? You're back. I'm back. That's good.
4: I was speaking to Ms. Brown last week, or Ms. Brown, and, and uh, um, anyway, the point being is this. I just want to make a quick point. It's a food chain. Pedestrians at the bottom, then bicyclists, then motorcyclists, then cars, big cars, trucks, whatever. Why, why do people leave their well-being and fate? In the hands of somebody else, i don 't understand it neither you know? do I <laughs> anyway, but that you know maybe maybe they yeah, yeah, i don't know I'm, i don't know what age bracket you're in i 'm not going to ask, but I'm in my sixties, and you know stop looking and listen before you lose you know before you use your feet you know. anyways all that, i don't know if you remember those sayings, but uh, people Elmer just don't the do safety
1: it. elephant, maybe we need him Yeah. Anyway, thank you. Okay, Greg, thank you for that. Thank you, bye. All right, uh, we're basically out of time on this one. Barbara Gray, what would you like to leave us with? Well, I wish everybody
2: a happy, healthy, and a safe new year. And I think it's um, a lot of the issues that were brought up today are things that we're uh, working through. We're eager to see uh, a much uh, safer and and improved year in 2019. And we at the city will continue to do everything we can to move in that direction. So happy new year to everybody. Happy new year to you.
1: And uh, we're certainly hoping to see things start going in the right direction. Barbara Gray, thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Okay, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be with Ross McLean. We're going to talk about that... Wow, baffling story in the Toronto Star about 9,000 plus thefts at LCBO outlets where people just walk in, load out, and leave. No consequences, no problem. We're going to talk about that and uh, maybe we'll also get to chat about some of those new uh, penalties for uh, distracted and drunk driving. And by the way, if we could not get to your call today, I'm sorry, but Free for All Friday is coming up. So you will. We'll have another chance. Right now, we'll have a quick break.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.